for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. doing y'all where'd the y'all come from that was garbage I don't say y'all I'm from New York I say you guys we have a fantastic show we have a fantastic panel we also have a pretty exciting announcement coming up after the news but I wanted to kick things off tonight with a topic on everybody's mind which is the Mueller indictments. Um, it, <laughs> this was technically the first week uh, to have 700 days in it. Um, and a lot happened, and we'll get into it. And it was a tough week, too. But uh, let's kick it off with the Russia stuff. Yes! <laughs> oh, real friend of the pod in the front row. So here's, the, here's how the Russia stuff works. We're all fascinated by it. A foreign country um, interfered in our election and succeeded. Succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. Uh, as part of that, there's an ongoing criminal investigation into the president, which is bad for him because he is an obvious criminal. Uh, but... We can't make Mueller go any faster. We don't know what's going on in there. It's always a surprise. He runs a tight ship, you know, Robert Mueller. No one ever says, Robert Mueller, that guy just shoots from the hip, you know? <laughs> no one ever says, Robert Mueller, what an erratic fellow. <laughs> that is a contained man. He's the human equivalent of those Japanese watermelons they grow in a cube, you know? I don't know what that means, but you know what I mean? Like he's an organized watermelon. Anyway, let's run through what happened this week. Oh, and so because we're not supposed to focus on it and there's all those people online ready to tell us that it's a distraction, like they're in charge, like they're the monitors, who put them in charge of deciding what the distractions are? Don't pay attention to it. It's a distraction. I don't know. It's a bunch of indictments. Can I read it? Can I get to the bottom of it? How? What? What? what, what it's five o'clock on a Friday. I can spend a little time learning about the indictments. I'll focus on the election. I. I know. I'm not one of those people that says, "Hurry up, Robert Mueller." We don't. We know that that's annoying. Oh, I want Robert Mueller. Hurry up. Okay. <laughs> Some of you are people who say that. That's what we learned by that silence. <laughs> Resign, Mr. Trump, sir. Yeah. I'm making fun of people who say that. Trap. Oh, it's going to be loose show tonight. I don't know where my head is. Who cares? Okay. So because, because we're going to focus on the election, but give this the attention it deserves, we're going to put two minutes on the clock and run through the latest on the Russia stuff, which I think pretty soon we're going to have to just rename the Mueller stuff. But for now, the Russia stuff, let's start the clock. Uh, on Friday, Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller issued another round of indictments. This centered on around Russia's direct interference in the 2016 election. Rod Rosenstein announced that 13 Russian individuals and three companies were part of a massive and sophisticated attempt to sway the 2016 election and help the Trump campaign. Here's exactly what we learned from the indictments. One, the Russians began planning this interference in 2014. That's when a Russian, quote, troll farm 
New, what we now we all know what that is. Uh, no, uh, launched a strategy seeking to disrupt the 2016 presidential election, intending to quote spread distrust toward the candidates and the political system in general. End quote. Two, the trolls' whole goal was to clear any opposition to Trump. According to the indictment, their primary directive was to communicate derogatory information about Hillary Clinton uh, and to denigrate other candidates such as Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, which is, uh, what a tough job. Those, those are three perfect people. Uh, oh, you don't like it when I loop her in with them, huh? Uh, and to support Bernie Sanders and then-candidate Donald Trump. Three, the trolls had unwitting insider help. According to the document, some defendants posing as U.S. persons and without revealing their Russian association communicated with unwitting individuals who were associated with Trump. They even contacted Trump ca the Trump campaign to help set up rallies for his campaign in Florida. For months, Trump has been calling Russian influence in the election fake news and a hoax, which is tough to square with the 37-page indictment detailing the web of influence peddled by Russian agents, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> Trump took to Twitter today to say that since the Russian plan to sow doubt in our democracy was concocted in 2014, it wasn't aimed to help him. But that is belied by the indictment, which includes that by 2016, Russians were supporting the presidential campaign of then-president, then-Donald J. Trump. Not only that, but earlier this week, we're get out that former Trump campaign advisor Robert Gates is close to a plea deal with the press prosecutor. Gates was indicted early this year with Paul Manafort. If Gates flips, that means Mueller has three cooperating witnesses. Uh, uh, Steve uh. Bannon spent 20 hours with Robert Mueller, and Robert Mueller added a charge against Manafort. Uh, so now he's really in trouble? <laughs> and that is the Russia stuff. When we come back, I welcome our panel. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This podcast is brought to you by Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Americans United defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms and even democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. While Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs, Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU's work at au.org slash crooked. That's au.org slash crooked. And we're back. <laughs> I am very excited about our panel tonight. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of MuslimGirl.com and author of the memoir, Muslim Girl, A Coming of Age. Please welcome Amani. <laughs> Hi, Amani. Hey, guys. Um, Hi. I'm trying to find organic ways to have people hear your voice after I say the name so people know who's who. How do you think it's going? Uh, really well so far. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's the best-selling author of several books, including Bad Feminists, Hunger, and Difficult Women. Please welcome Roxanne Gay. <laughs> Hi, Roxanne. Hello, John. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. You know, I have to say, though, we started off on the wrong foot. Oh, how? Because I saw a certain tweet that you where you referred to this as just some podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. It's I just get... to keep you on your toes. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a podcast listener. That's, I, I, everyone's always like, really? And I'm like, I just don't like to be read to. And many podcasts make me feel like I'm being read to. Keep digging. Keep digging. <laughs> <laughs> he has a con, finally, <laughs> he has a Comedy Central half hour special, an album called Homo Negro Superior. Please welcome Solomon Giorgio. Hi. Thank you. You know, halfway through Homo Negro, yes. I almost thought it was Homo Negro. It is Negro. It is? There's supposed to be an accent over that E, but if you forget it, you're just. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> This was I actually trap. accept both. I am I'm content with both of them. Okay. okay. I actually don't correct anyone if they say the other one. Uh, I like them both. Those are both my That's. Don't worry. There's no going back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get into it. What an infrastructure week. Um, <laughs> infrastructure. That's what our focus is tonight because that's what we all talked about all week. Roads and bridges and waterways and sewers and trains. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, let's start with DACA. Um, after Donald Trump ended the DACA program back in September, he gave Congress until March to figure out a fix. So finally, after months of stalling and two government shutdowns, both 
Very brief. Um, we don't even remember them. <laughs> Mitch McConnell agreed to give the floor to the immigration debate. That was the promise Democrats extracted during the first shutdown. We had a simple request to protect dreamers from deportation. Donald Trump uh, agreed when asked, but on one condition, undermining the legal immigration system. He demanded $25 billion in border security, uh, but then also wanted to restrict legal immigration and uh, end policies that help keep families together. So this week, when bi- bar- bipartisan support started to mount for a compromise that would protect dreamers and give the border security money, Trump said he'd veto it, giving Republicans an out and basically killing uh, an immigration solution this week. Solomon, I wanted to start with you. Um, you know, you came to this country as a yes. refugee from Sudan mm-hmm. at age three. Um, yes. How do you feel about this pivot that Trump has made, which is it starts out talking about illegal immigration, yes. but then the reveal is actually we want far less legal immigration. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's exactly what I expected him to do uh, because that's exactly who he is and that's always what he's been about. Um, it's kind of that the the main issue that I had was during the shutdown when the Democrats allowed that to even happen. And I knew that was the death of DACA was that day. Yeah. I mean, I guess what, what do you th- so there were a few moments where there was a decision point. I think there was there was the moment where Democrats in the Senate did decide to go for it and push for a vote and allow the government to shut down. And uh, yeah. And, and then, then they Chuck Schumer buckled and. Sorry, he became a fucking jackass at that moment for me. That was like, what are you doing? That is an important... That opportunity was right there. It's just so visible. I'm like, just take it. Just take it. Take it. Just don't hold back. Just make them pay for it. It's, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's fine. I guess it's fine. It's totally... <laughs> but yeah, I know for a fact that the intention of, uh, of, of uh, turning over that legis- legislature was for sure to make sure all these dreamers were going to get kicked out. And so we just all now have to make sure they don't. And yeah. that's... Uh, <laughs> That's really the only option. Well, yeah, I mean, look, what what Democrats on the Hill would say is Republicans, what we learned is mm-hmm. Republicans were not going to protect the Dreamers, that they yeah. didn't have the leverage, that once the government shut down, uh, there were a few Democrats that were willing to cave, uh, and that what we saw is even once we did get a debate on the floor— uh, Republicans were not willing to go for any kind of truly bipartisan compromise because of remember course. what we saw fail is we didn't just see the bipartisan compromise Democrats could accept fail. We saw that one fail and the hardline yes. one failed by even fewer votes, which means there wasn't a vote in the Senate for a uh, moderate proposal and there wasn't a vote in the Senate for a conservative proposal. Of course, and the issue was any Democrat trusting Mitch McConnell to begin with to allow him to do that. That's an insane thing to do. When he was like, yeah, Mitch McConnell promised us that he, like, oh, see, when you start the sentence off with Mitch McConnell promised, (laughs) that's the entire problem in this situation. You should have known for a fact that that was not going to pan out. Well, you know, look, he, so I think there's, (laughs) there, there is a fundamental dishonesty that Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump, and... Uh, Paul Ryan are practicing but that wasn't it he did give them the vote but what was really going on here is they never had any intention to pass anything so so Roxanne why do you think Republicans are afraid to admit they don't want to protect the dreamers why are they doing like a murder on the Orient Express style uh, 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 crime here I mean I don't think that they're really afraid to admit it I think that they just know it doesn't need to be said because it's obvious it's sort of just there already And Democrats are spineless. And I say that as someone who is very liberal. But time and again, Democrats refuse to have the spine to do what needs to be done to put a stop to what's happening. And, you know, then everyone cries and laments and says, oh, the GOP this, the GOP that. Well, in some ways, we're enabling that bullshit and we're letting them do whatever the fuck they want to do. And until Democrats decide to play dirty and stop acting like somehow there are points at some future date for being noble, like the worst thing that has ever happened to democracy is when they go low, we go high. When they go low, we need to go fucking subterranean. (laughs) And (laughs) until Democratic politicians start adopting that, we're never ever going to overcome these kinds of obstacles. We're down there, and we're like, oh, look, it's Ted Cruz's talking points. It's such a weird... <laughs> look what I here. found here. Oh, my God, it's, it's Omarosa's application to The Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> the first copy, that's so cool. Donald Trump's original hair. Yeah. Uh. So, 
uh, Amani, uh, and you no longer have a last name. Uh, you did before the show, but now you don't. Yeah. It's gone. Made, made the executive decision tonight to drop the last name. And that's it. What last name? Yeah. Didn't have one. The rest, the rest yeah. Uh, so I, we've seen a sort of activist. What, what Solomon said, I think, is reflective of what a lot of activists said, which is that just Democrats caved too fast during the shutdown and were too willing to compromise, uh, including in voting for something that would waste money on a border wall, spend tens of billions of dollars, some of which could go towards interior enforcement. At the same time, uh, it seems pretty clear to me that the only way we can do anything for the Dreamers is for Democrats to win the House and win the Senate. So are you angry at Democrats? Are you more angry at Republicans? Uh, where, Where is your head at? Um, honestly, I think the times are really just a reflection of where our democracy is at right now. I, I think it's safe to say that our politicians simply don't represent the people. Um, there's a reason why policies that are that are taking shape right now are literally only with a certain subset of Americans in mind. Like our our government doesn't represent all of us anymore. It's only operating for the benefit of some Americans, um, and the rest can go to hell basically. Uh, and I think that's a, a huge problem. And I do think that it's uh, that's one of the very few things that we're bipartisan about, unfortunately. Well. Hmm. Friday night at the improv. <laughs> All right, I want to move on. Uh, uh, as this immigration debate was unfolding, uh, there was also a mass shooting at a high school in Florida. And I think, you know, we're all tired of talking about mass shootings, but I think there's a connection between the immigration story and the mass shooting story, which is the incredible lack of action in Congress on the biggest issues facing this country again and again and again. And it's hard, uh, you know, we're dealing with these stories on a semi-daily basis now, and uh, we kind of go through the motions of finding out what happened, finding out how many people died, finding out about the killer, finding out about the people, uh, uh, the heroes who died and tried to protect kids. It happens at schools again and again and again. Um, And then we see the... Democrats call for things like background checks and smaller magazine sizes, and we see Republicans like Marco Rubio lament that nothing could have been done to prevent this. Amani, uh, do you see anything that can change the debate? Do you think that the that this latest shooting is in any way changing the conversation? Does it feel like maybe people are finally growing tired of this, or are we just going to go back to how we were last week? Oh, we're definitely just going to just go back. I had a feeling to, that's where your head would be yeah, at. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's, it's the only way we're going to have a chance at combating this issue is if we even acknowledge that it's an issue. Um, you know, for me, especially as a Muslim American, it's very, very difficult and frustrating to hear stories about mass shootings taking place on American soil, only because I see the huge discrepancy between the way that we treat different forms of violence in the United States, right? So with mass shootings, like since 9-11, over 100 times as many Americans have been killed on American soil as a result of gun violence than as a result of a terrorist attack. Right? A terrorist attack happens on our soil, and we literally just do an entire upheaval over our security systems here, right? Meanwhile, literally, you can't walk into a movie theater without being scared that someone's going to shoot it up now. And we're not doing anything to address that. If anything, we're trying to kind of sweep it under the rug um, and, and act like it's not an issue. We didn't even dare call it terrorism. And, you know, I, I, I think that's right. I also think, I think there, I don't even think it's, I don't think it's just semantics. I don't think it's even about writing our understanding of these two crimes. I don't think it's about equating them. I think it has actual value in identifying what mass shooters are doing as terrorism because it would allow for us to treat it like it has an ideology, like these things are connected. We, you know, that the gun conversation is so silly and small uh, and uh, um, neutered. And one of the ways I think it'll change is if we start to admit to ourselves that we don't just have one gun crisis, we actually have three of them and they're different and they're distinct Guns connect them, but we have a problem of people killing themselves with guns. We have a problem of, and when those are the vast majority of gun deaths in this country, still. They're the vast majority of people who are killed by guns in the United States are killed by suicide. The, then we have a 
problem of of murders, the kind of daily mayhem of violence, of robberies, of of anger, of vengeance, of want, of what have you, the kind of quotidian violence of America, again, caused by excessive access to guns. And then finally, we have this epidemic of mass shootings, uh, which is again related to the accessibility of guns, but is unique and peculiar. And we are not honest about how common this is. And it's as if we don't allow ourselves to imagine just how often it's going to happen in the next year. If someone said that in the next month, 50 people somewhere in America are going to die because of Caesar salads, there would be an absolute panic. There would be a total mayhem about people would be throwing lettuce out. If you saw someone with lettuce, you would tackle them. If you saw somebody bringing lettuce to their mouths, uh, you would run over and try to save them from it. Because holy shit, at some point, 50 people are going to die from Caesar salads. 50 people are going to die from a mass shooting in the next few weeks. It's just going to happen three or four times the next few weeks, and 50 bodies are going to pile up again. And um, again, it is Friday night at the improv. (laughs) It's dark, man. I don't know what else there is to say about it. I mean, Roxanne, we've seen these shootings happen over and over again. Uh, the Republicans put a uh, flag at half staff on their Twitter feed. I don't think that helped. Uh, <laughs> you don't? No, oh. I don't think it's going to make that much of a Weird. difference. Um, uh, Marco Rubio took to the floor to lament that we shouldn't uh, jump to conclusions that gun control might have helped. And as always, there is this picking apart of the specifics of this incident to say that actually gun control wouldn't have mattered. If they buy the gun illegally, it wouldn't have mattered. If they buy the gun legally, it wouldn't have mattered. Is there, so we're in this loop. Is there anything that you see that could break this loop? Um, well, I mean, I think the first thing is, I don't think it's a we, because I think the majority of Americans are in favor of gun control and in favor of doing something. You know, as Amani was saying earlier, the people that are currently in Congress do not represent the American people. And they are not representing our interests. And you can see it every time you look at how much the NRA has given. And so one of the key things we have to do, which came, I think, Bernie Sanders really led the way in this. And I'm a Hillary girl, but he has a couple of good ideas. And, you know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we have to stop the lobbying money. Because until we stop the lobbying money, there is no financial incentive for these politicians to do something about gun violence. And as long as the NRA can continue to buy votes, we're going to continue to see these massacres happen. And it's mind-numbing. When I found out about the massacre yesterday, I was just like, oh, 17. But after Sandy Hook, when children, like babies, were murdered, And people decided, I'd rather not believe this horrible thing happened, so I'm going to invent a conspiracy theory and say that it never happened. You know, after that, I knew nothing was ever going to change in my lifetime. Because when white children in a witch community are murdered and nobody does anything, then Republicans truly do not have a single fuck to give. And so what happened yesterday was heartbreaking, and so many of those students have taken to social media and have said, this is about guns, and indeed it is, because the AR-15 was used in San Bernardino and several other mass shootings. And so perhaps if we banned this gun, there would be fewer mass shootings. So it's about money. Salman, do you think, do you think the fact that now we, we are, this is happening so much that kids inside of a school dealing with it know that they are going to become that they're, they're going to need to tweet about this. They're going to need to fight back themselves to say this was about guns. Do you think that the awareness, that the fact that so many different places have been touched by this violence, do you think that that might cause... I mean, I, I, I keep coming back to the same question. We're, we're going... We do this again and again and again. Is there anything you see that makes you even a li- makes you hopeful about what we can do? Well, I've been consistently hopeful my entire life. Um, and that's just the way I think of things. Because... Terrible things happen in a circular situation, especially in the history of this country. Like these awful things are at the moment going up in numbers, um, but it has gone down, and we usually get a bit more progressive uh, as a society. And it, it is 
it, it is also the newer generation making that happen. Um, with every generation, more progressive society will be will come forth. Uh, they just have to deal with the monsters that want to kill them up to that point. <laughs> um, yeah, it <laughs> it is. You know, I th- I think about Trump winning. I think about Brexit. I think about our inability to take action on gun control, on immigration, on climate. Uh, I think about uh, the control that the Republicans have over Congress and. The biggest divide is between older voters and younger voters. This is a generation above us uh, that is just reaching through time to punish us moving forward. It's a, they, th- it is an older generation that empowered a Congress to pass $1.5 trillion in tax cuts. And I don't mean any of the baby boomers here because you're, <laughs> you're some of the good ones. Uh, and I've been consistent on this issue. Uh, not all baby boomers. Uh, hashtag not all boomers. But um, <laughs> exceptions that prove the rule. I love it or leave it. Can I see a show of hands from our baby boomers? Any baby boomers out there? Thanks for being here. I hope you've enjoyed historically low taxes as you uh, amassed huge sums of wealth and raised, raised home prices. Uh, the gig economy has been a delight. Oh, they did fuck us in California, didn't they? They raised, they raised your taxes. Well, sir, I wasn't for it. Uh, and while to me it is an ancillary benefit that you are personally paying higher taxes, it wasn't what I wanted for any of us. So uh, as hard as this is, there is, again, really only one thing we can do if we want to change the way Congress treats this, and that is to vote, and that is to support candidates who will do the right things on guns, who won't be cowed by the NRA, who won't be cowed by fear of a uh, minority of voters who do vote passionately against the interests of all of us to live in a society that isn't ravaged by the most gun violence in any country, not beset by civil war. Uh, so if you want to help, you can go to everytown.org and join their, camp- join their campaign. Um, to get rid of every member of Congress who is beholden to the gun lobby. That is <laughs> the news of the week. When we come back, too stupid to be true. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. And we're back! All right. Now for a segment we call Too Stupid to be True. Earlier in Infrastructure Week, uh, Michelle Obama and her husband unveiled uh, the official portraits uh, that would soon hang in the National Portrait Gallery. They chose two African-American artists to paint the portraits. They were, some describe them as unconventional. They received some pretty positive reviews from art experts. Uh, I don't know what makes you an expert, but they loved it. And I, lo- I thought they were awesome. I thought they were really cool. Uh, I thought the Obama one was amazing. Um, fast, just uh, unexpected and, and cool. Uh, but conservatives weren't as positive. Um, <laughs> their only idea, I'm just going to read what this says. Their only idea of great art is a Tweety Bird and a Confederate flag airbrushed onto a mall t-shirt. <laughs> All right, so we are going to bring back Too Stupid to be True, Art Historian Edition. So we are going to read three statements that were said by actual human beings and one that we made up. It will be someone in this room's job to decide which one was too stupid to be true. Would anyone out there like to play the game? Is that a bedazzled friend of the pod shirt? It really is. That's amazing. I'm so glad we're talking. That's so cool. What's your name? My name's Eileen. Eileen. Yes. And, and who are you here with? I'm here with Michael and then inadvertently my friends that I sing in a choir with. You guys sing in a choir? Yes. What kind of choir? It's a women-only choir. Women-only choir. What do you sing about? We're Vox Femina LA and we're an offshoot from the GMC LA. 
You're a you're a you're a offshoot of a different choir. Yeah, Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles. Oh, the Gay Men's Chorus, the Gay yeah. Men's Chorus. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know the acronym. We're the lady um, version of it. You're the lady version of the Gay Men's Chorus. Yes, it's confusing, but we're really good. Got it. Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stop stalling. Okay. Shit. So, we are going to read you. Four statements. Your job, your job will be to decide which one is too stupid to be true. Amani, let's kick us off. It's hard to believe they're real, but apparently they are. The president's portrait shows him stuck to a wall of foliage like you were glued to the outfield at Wrigley Field in Chicago. The portrait was painted by Kahindi Wiley. Her previous paintings include racially fraught works of white people being decapitated, of course. Ooh. Gnarly, so it might be true. Can I keep going? You can. You can. Just keep, keep that in your mind. Roxanne, you're up. Push me when it's the right one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is Barack Obama, and he is actually sitting there in a chair that is apparently covered by leaves, and he's getting poison ivy. He's being <laughs> eaten by this, like, little shop of horrors. He's, being, he's actually being eaten by the foliage and looking very serious. And, of course, this immediately made me think of Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. <laughs> But wasn't that Sean Spicer who was backing into the yes. bushes? <laughs> Eileen, I don't want a tight five from you. <laughs> I'm stalling. This is nerve-wracking. Solomon, you're up. My guess is that the leaves are supposed to be some sort of symbol or metaphor. Maybe for the ways President Obama sat on his hands and did nothing during Benghazi. Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe it's just supposed to look cool. It doesn't. You know what does look cool? Sitting in front of a fireplace, or a globe, or you know, something American. <laughs> and so keep that in your mind. Finally, okay. number four. So here's a giant sperm swimming across the president's head. Yeah, that one's true. So there is the sperm, the head of the sperm. If this was a GMO sperm, it wouldn't even have a tail or be able to swim. So these are fully formed sperm. You can, how many times am I gonna, all right. <laughs> So that's in your face. That is, you say it doesn't make sense. It's so degenerate. It's a religion of degeneracy. It's what globalism is. It's what Satanism is. Well, I know that there was a sperm Sean Hannity thing. Mm, I don't know mm, if it was mm. that extreme. Oh, it's Sean Hannity. It was that extreme. Okay, so that's So that's you think is true. So now you think it's, so, so which one of the three do you think is too stupid to be true? Shit. They're all too stupid to be true. I'm going to need an answer. I'm going to need an answer. Was it Amani? Was it Roxanne? Or was it Solomon? I'm going to go with Roxanne. Incorrect. Ah! Let's roll the clip to find out which one was too stupid to be true. Well, Michelle and Barack Obama's Smithsonian portraits were unveiled today. It's hard to believe they're real, but apparently they are. The president's portrait shows him stuck to a wall of foliage like you were glued to the outfield at Wrigley <laughs> Field in Chicago. And there is Barack Obama, and he is actually sitting there in a chair that's apparently covered by leaves. He's getting poison ivy. He's being eaten by this like little shop of horrors. He's actually being eaten by the foliage uh, and looking very serious. And of course, this immediately made me think of Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. Uh, this artist is obsessed with sperm. All of his paintings have sperm swimming all over everything. Uh, so that is in your face. That is, you say, well, it doesn't make sense. It's so degenerate. It's a religion of degeneracy. It's what globalism is. It's what Satanism is. Yep, it was Solomon's. Eileen, you've lost. Too stupid to be true, but we'll give you the gift card anyway from Parachute. <laughs> Guys, give it up for Eileen. She's a part of Generation X. She got the Rachel haircut at some point. Uh, her favorite movie is Say Anything. Guys, give it up for Eileen. <laughs> Okay, so now, in the spirit of these wonderful portraits, what a weird thing to say, we have a special announcement. Now that the official portraits of President Obama and Michelle Obama are hanging in the Smithsonian, we are going to turn our attention from honoring our first African-American president uh, to memorializing uh, the first president in a while to say that white supremacists are fine people. Here's the deal. At Crooked Media, we are announcing a call for entries for a new contest called Portrait Mode. Starting, <laughs> starting today, we will be accepting your submissions for the official portrait 
of President Donald Trump. And you better hurry because we don't know when the presidency of Donald Trump will end. Uh, so we better get a jump on it. Uh, we will accept submissions for two weeks. We will pick some of our favorites and you, <laughs> uh, the constituents of Donald Trump's America, that was hard to read, uh, will pick his, his official presidential portrait. Uh, so we're gonna post our favorites, we're gonna vote online. We are going to uh, take the winner and we are gonna put it on mugs and posters. Uh, listen, if one of them was printed pretty big and ended up in the Smithsonian, that's something that will have happened. Uh, you know, uh, who knows what'll happen. But all the proceeds from the shirts and mugs and posters and I don't know, uh, banners, tote bags, <laughs> coasters. You said that so angrily. All the, all the proceeds are going to go to PS Arts, uh, which is a uh, LA-based organization that uh, supports arts in LA schools that have seen uh, arts programs cut back. So go to crooked.com slash portrait mode. Uh, and you can submit your official portraits. There's more information and details there about what you have to do. Uh, you have two weeks to submit, so submissions will close on Saturday, March 3rd. Uh, look, uh, we're not going to tell you. We're not going to dictate uh, your art, your vision. Each of us has been touched and stirred uh, by the events of the past year or so. Uh, we found new emotions uh, when we made our worst person uh, the most powerful person on the planet. Um, and I want, I'm hoping people explore that, all right? And see what they discover. <laughs> Crooked.com slash portrait mode. When we come back, a dramatic reading. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. some art people do some cool shit. You're about to see a lot of Trump's penis is what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, Solomon, you raise a very... It will be a very small portrait, though. <laughs> uh, Solomon, you raise an important issue, which is uh, what do you do to dissuade people from sending you JPEG after JPEG of dicks? And, you know, you're at a crossroads when addressing this problem. And you have to choose your path. <laughs> path number one is don't mention it. And know that you're going to get some, but best not to shine a light. Best not to plant the flag on the dicks. That's direction number one. Direction number two is to raise it and ask people not to send you pictures of genitalia as part of this art project. But... That's like telling people not to think of a blue car, you know? <laughs> you know? And we're back! <laughs> now for a very special dramatic reading. Earlier this week, Elle magazine released an article about dear friend of the pod, Louise Linton, uh, the wife of Treasury Secretary and executive producer of Suicide Squad, Steve Mnookin. Uh, you remember Louise Linton? Yes, really. He produced Suicide Squad. He was fucking us long before he was holding up unfinished money, which he, I'm sure, folded up and spent. Uh, <laughs> this week, she was interviewed about how she is a normal person, just like you and me. And so we have someone here to do a dramatic reading from Garfunkel and Oates and Another Period on Comedy Central, which airs every Tuesday on 1030. Please welcome Ricky Lindholm. Hi. Hi, Ricky. How Hi, are you? How's it going? It's good. Thanks for Hi. being here. I think my script is over here. Your oh, script thanks. is over there. I wore black. I'm trying to channel her a little bit. I didn't have long black gloves or any leather. Yeah. Do you but have I a felt like mm, close enough. Do you have a coat made of Dalmatians anywhere? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. So I have to get my Manukin first, right? Mm, yeah. 
Um, this article is amazing. If you guys haven't read the whole thing, it's really good. All right, Ricky, take us Should away. I start? Okay. Dramatic reading. Give it up for Ricky. <laughs> there are many things Lynn insists make her a regular person. She loves Soul Cycle, for one. <laughs> That's temple for me, she says, dressed in a soul cycle beanie and leggings. This is my uniform. I wear soul cycle stuff every single day of my life. <laughs> when she's feeling worn down from all the negativity in the world, she'll turn off her television and her phone, light some candles, and blast Duke Ellington so loud that it reaches every nook and cranny of her $12.6 million Massachusetts Avenue Heights home. You guys, that's so relatable and cute. Um, <laughs> it was a real person who holed up in that DC mansion one day in August, spent a little too much time scrolling through Instagram. She'd just returned from a government trip to Kentucky with Manukin, and as had become her habit, she posted a photograph of herself descending the steps of a government jet in her hashtag Hermes scarf, hashtag Tom Ford Sunnies, and hashtag Valentino. <laughs> One commenter, seizing upon the strange and unsavory juxtaposition of the government signage and the luxury brands, wrote, glad we could pay for your little getaway. She'd mostly been able to ignore the noise. But this time, she snapped. Aw, did you think this was a personal trip? Adorable, she wrote back to the commenter. <laughs> Do you think this was the US government? Do you think the US government paid for our honeymoon or personal travel? LOL, 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 she added. <laughs> She continued for a total of 165 words. Somebody counted those, I'm sorry. 165 words and four emojis. <laughs> the equivalent of one meltdown. That's very scientific, uh, that's scientific there. I felt like the kid on the playground that has been so bullied and finally you punch back. That was in quotes. Oh my God. I know, poor woman. Um, lest you suspect that she married Manukin for his money, <laughs> She grew up almost comically well off in the suburbs of the Scottish capital, Edinburgh, where her father was a property developer. She was raised in a small castle. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> She's just like us, you guys. <laughs> she had her first harrowing brush with notoriety for a memoir she published about her time in Zambia titled In Congo's Shadow, One Girl's Perilous Journey to the Heart of Africa. <laughs> in which she painted herself as a Mother Teresa figure, <laughs> <laughs> bravely navigating the all-encompassing threats of Mother Africa. She wrote of being frightened of rebels targeting her, the skinny white Mzungu with long angel hair. I, I want to describe myself as having long angel hair. Um, <laughs> and her special comfort with my bond with an orphan, this is a quote, a smiling gap-toothed child with HIV whose, <laughs> whose greatest joy was to sit on my lap and drink from a bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> Linton and her husband classify themselves as movie buffs. When I ask what their favorite film of the year is, Linton mentions that they recently watched and adored Crazy Stupid Love. Not movie buffs. Not movie buffs. <laughs> no movie buffs said their movie of the year, 2017, was Crazy Stupid Love. You could say Florida Project. You could say Lady Bird. You could say Get Out. You could say The Big Sick. You could say Phantom Thread. You could say Mother. But if your movie of the year in 2017 is Crazy Stupid Love, fuck that. Sorry, Ricky. I got too angry. It's okay. This is almost over. <laughs> mm. I needed to be more elegant. I needed to be more stylish, Linton says breathlessly. I look at amazing fashion icons like Jackie O, and I'm like, why can't I wear gloves? <laughs> <laughs> Linton thinks ruefully about the long leather gloves and the black skirt, which are currently hanging, unloved and radioactive in her closet. I really hope someday I can wear that outfit again, she says, because I really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> That's it. Guys, give it up for Ricky Lindholm. Thank you, thank you thank for having you, me. Ricky. Thank you. <laughs> Louise Linton, every girl in America, Louise Linton, Jenny on the block, <laughs> Louise on the block, Louise Linton. When we come back, okay, stop. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And we're back! <laughs> now for a game we call OK Stop. Here's how it works. We watch a clip, and when we feel like it, uh, we say OK Stop, and we talk about it. This week, it's the NBA All-Star Weekend here in Los Angeles. Why would I care about that part of it? Anyway, a lot of NBA players are in town. Um, look, you, it's Laura Ingram. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> Laura Ingram decided uh, that she's had enough of LeBron James, and she decided to tell us about it, and it's a pretty fascinating clip. Let's roll the clip. Hey, superstar LeBron James is talking politics again, and this time it's R-rated. Here's his barely intelligible, not to mention ungrammatical take on President Trump and a new ESPN... Okay, stop. I'm just stopping it because I, I, your face says we should stop it for a second. I mean, <laughs> ungrammatical? <laughs> oh, that was a good stopping point. <laughs> yeah, I saw this bullshit this morning and I was just like, really? Like, just really? Like, bitch, what? Uh, I mean, this idea, this idea that celebrities aren't allowed to have opinions on politics, but this half-assed motherfucker is, is just... I mean, you're on Fox News. Let's start there. Like, you shouldn't be discussing politics. You shouldn't be discussing the shit under my shoe. And so, it's just insane. But when Ted Nugent comes on there, or any of their other... Or Scott Bayo, and they're like, oh, let's listen to this person talk about some shit. No, it's... And then the best part was when she was like, why do they go on? Why do they talk? It's like, they? Uh-huh. Um, just for people at home, uh, Laura Ingram's face is frozen in the face she makes when she's shouting a racial epithet at somebody <laughs> who cut her off in traffic. <laughs> Let's roll the clip some more. Cast. The number one job in America, the point of person, is someone who doesn't understand the people. And really don't give a f about the people. Must they run their mouths like that? Unfortunately, okay. a lot of kids. Stop. <laughs> that was a second day. I am really just say just call us out why black people talk like that. Just say it for once your damn life. And why and also can she just take the damn cross off her neck if she's gonna talk this kind of shit? Kids and some adults take these ignorant comments seriously. Look, there might be a cautionary lesson in LeBron for kids. This is what happens when you attempt to leave high school a year early to join the NBA. Okay, stop. I hadn't seen this. It is fascinating how a culture changes, how explicitly racist she feels she's now allowed to be because of Trump. Oh, yeah, he softened the ground, and now white people are... I, I spend my time between here and uh, Lafayette, Indiana, which is ground zero, and I can assure you white people are very, very comfortable now. And she said this on national television about probably the most famous athlete in the world right now, and it was just open racism, and she was like, yeah, I'm on to something here. And she really felt like she was saying something profound and that she was really making a commentary like stay in school kids no no she was just being openly racist and she was being supported by an entire network and an entire country of people who were willing to vote a racist into office it's just she's comfortable she's safe now and i mean ugh, it's horrifying honestly. everyone's literally vying for that spot of being that terrible racist person in those photos in the civil rights movement <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the screaming late white lady in the back where that school black school girl's holding the books. I want to be her. I want to be her. 
Let's continue the clip. to seek political advice from someone who gets paid a hundred million dollars a year to bounce a ball. I mean, oh, her taxes, dumb. her his taxes make her life fucking possible. Like, let's start there. A hundred million dollars. Like now, you hate wealthy people. Really? Come on. Uh, oh, it's because <laughs> black wealth is not our is not black wealth. It belongs to white people. That's a damn yes. issue. It's the second anyone like, oh, now that you've made money, how dare you? Get out of here. And I just I just want to point out that uh, uh, LeBron James donated two point five million dollars to the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. He worked with the University of Akron to give four year guaranteed scholarships to students who qualified. He's spoken out in support of Colin Kaepernick, Tray- Trayvon Martin, and Michael Brown, and more. He went on stage during the ESPYS and encouraged other athletes to speak out for social justice. And he was praised by Barack Obama uh, as president for ending the idea that speaking your mind would cost you endorsements. Um, so this is somebody who's been very smart about deploying uh, his voice in support of the causes he cares about. On and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. Okay, stop. I don't. Is that a phrase? I, I, is that a sports thing, or was that a white supremacist thing? I don't know. Uh, shut up and dribble. Who's ever said that? Is that a famous person? She said it. She said it. That's her line. Oh, her thing is shut up and something. And so this time it's shut up and dribble. Two quick points. <laughs> One, it is amazing how just little bits of fascism creep in. Like, we didn't make Trump our coach, you creepy weirdo. He's, we're his coach. He works for us still. But for now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's crazy because we're okay with the black people like playing our sports and being our entertainment, but the second they open their mouths about politics or how our government is impacting them, it's like shut up, you know. And I think it's also interesting because you know, like Trump for example, he was always kind of this figure in, in the black community of aspirational wealth. He like represented the American dream, right? For for black people, for a lot of people of color. But it's like the second, yeah, the second minorities accumulate that wealth, you know, once that American dream opens its mouth, that's what it sounds like. It's because there's this idea that people of color are, when you gain any form of wealth, you owe it back to white America. And that is absolute bullshit. And guess what? Laura Ingram, LeBron James don't owe you shit. Fuck you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, um... If you see that word ungrateful yeah. all the time, that these athletes are ungrateful. And no one ever says that uh, Laura Ingram was ungrateful when she was criticizing Barack yeah. Obama from whatever obsidian yeah. throne she sits on when she's at home. Her <laughs> toilet? What? <laughs> Stop talking about her toilet like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's private. It's just a big old pile of shit. <laughs> Laura Ingram on an obsidian throne toilet (laughs) with a scepter and that's okay stop when we come back the rant wheel and we're back now for a segment we call the rant wheel today on the wheel we have breaking up via text guessing someone's nationality breaking news push notifications Astrology, what we call terrorism, Adam Rippon. Time he got some, uh, whatever. Facebook users and thoughts and prayers. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on guessing someone's nationality, a suggestion by Solomon. Take it away. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know why so many white people think that my nationality is a Final Jeopardy question. It's not. First of all, if you guess it right, I'm not going to tell you. I will say I'm from Ohio every single time. And I know what, I know what that question is asked for because you want to tell me about the one other person you met from where I'm from. And I don't know them. I don't know every single person where I'm from. That'd be terrifying. That means I'm trying to commit a genocide. So stop guessing. I will tell you eventually. That is how the natural course of my entire life has gone. I will eventually talk about where I am from. 
It shouldn't be the first goddamn thing you say to me. Hey, are you by chance from? No, don't. Cut that shit out. Cut that shit out forever. Stop it. <laughs> people are just guessing in casual conversation. Oh my, it's people, I, especially when I was working at a restaurant, people would call me over, customers in the restaurant, be like, hi, are you Ethiopian? Like, I don't know. No, not now. Uh, <laughs> Not right now. I'm not going to be for you because I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get another compliment about an Ethiopian restaurant that's nearby ever again. I don't care what you think. <laughs> I'm not a Yelp page. I don't know about that spongy bread. I love it. I grew up with it though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a back. There's a. Uh, there's a trick you can do. Now I see. Now I see how to get around. There's a loophole. <laughs> well, we have a rapport now. So yeah, therefore. we do. We do have a rapport. And we didn't at first, and now we do. That's, that's what happens. Let's spin the wheel again. <laughs> it has landed on breaking up via text. Another one for Solomon. Take us away. I am for it. Do it all the time. I would divorce via text if I could. It is the best. I broke up with my last boyfriend via text. A lot of people got upset. And that's the thing is when you say you broke up with somebody via text, see will stop caring what happened before that. He could have been beating me and you guys be like, well, you should have met him in a public place. And no. Do it. Do it all the time. Live your life the best way you can. It's the best kind of self-care you can give yourself is just shoot that text off, block all the numbers, and just have a good day. I went to a Kesha concert. It was a great time. <laughs> Uh, follow up. Yes. How long were you together? A year. I mean. No. Uh, <laughs> no. No. A year. By the way, he posted zero photos of us together on any form of social media and did not acknowledge that we were together on, on Facebook. He said he was in a relationship, but that was it. So, yeah. We were together for a year, but there's zero proof of it. So I can break up with him via text. God, I know a it's, year. It's, I know it's like gendered, but guys have it so easy. <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, so, no, but I mean, I've never been broken up with or broken up with someone via text, but I have been ghosted before and I feel like that's even worse. Right. You know, like, you know, ghosting. Yeah. Yeah. Like who, <laughs> like who hasn't been ghosted at this point? Think about how many people would rather ignore me <laughs> than deal with me <laughs> over the course of my life. I didn't know that people replied to texts. I thought they were one directional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also pro-ghosting. It's fun. <laughs> wow. I don't do that very often. I actually, what I like to do is if I get ghosted, I send them a message like, did you ghost me? Don't reply if you did. <laughs> <laughs> Roxanne, where do you fall on the not responding to people and just letting them languish, wondering what happened? I'm 43, so <laughs> I believe in communication with other human beings. <laughs> Besides which, I, when I'm breaking up with someone, generally, I'm a, it's acrimonious, and I have some shit to say, and I can't type that fast with my thumbs. I would prefer to just get it all out in person and just be like, you motherfucker. Let's go over where this began. <laughs> uh, you, do, you do like a relationship axe files. I do. <laughs> I do. I, I don't know why. It just... I want to get it all out so that I can move on. It's just, and it never works out. But in my head, it's a nice idea. Let's spin it again. Oh, it has okay. landed on what we call terrorism, Amani. Yes. Please let me take it away. Okay. So, um, obviously, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially in light of this week's news. And it just, it really, it really boggles my mind because um, one thing that I hear very commonly is when I'm like, why do we generalize that all Muslims are terrorists? There's 1.8 billion of us on the planet. And people are always, like, the number one response I hear is, well, Muslims are committing all the violence. Muslims are the only ones killing people and, you know, committing all, all these terrorist acts and stuff like that. And for me, I'm just like, are you living under a rock? Because on our news, it's like, the only time, if you really think about it, the only time we ever know a perpetrator's religion is if they're Muslim. That's the only time we identify their religion. And then we only ever talk about Muslims in the news when they are committing egregious acts. So 
by extension, we're literally brainwashing the entire public that all Muslims are terrorists, all terrorists are Muslims, and all Muslims are horrible people. And that's how policies like the Muslim ban are able to happen. And that's how things like this mass shooting are able to continue to happen every week. Uh, and I think it's time to call it out. Okay. All right. Let's spin it again. It has landed on Adam Rippon. Where does he get off? No, I don't. (laughs) I like Adam Rippon. I think he's really cool and handsome. Very confident. And he gave Mike Pence the business. But there is one thing I don't like about Adam Rippon. He has not been on Love It or Leave It. Uh, And I think that's something we can fix. Don't you think we can get Adam Rippon on Love It or Leave It? (laughs) Tweeted him. (laughs) You just said he lives 15 minutes from LAX. I am really hoping that's something you picked up off the internet. (laughs) Uh, And and that you didn't just come here from the airport and be like, uh, this is, uh, here's what, here's a lock of his hair. Here's one of his ice skates. Don't ask me how I got it. Let's just say I cannot go back. So now we know two things about Adam Rimpong. He gave Mike three things, the skating. Four things, gay. Gave Mike Pence the business. Lives 15 minutes from LAX. I can't believe it took until 2018 to have an openly gay figure skater. God, that's fucked. There were so many closeted gay figure skaters for so long. What a sport. You're you're all straight. You act straight out there. This is a masculine game. That triple Lutz is like football to us. (laughs) Gay people don't do this. None of you are gay. Where are your wives? Do a quadruple Lutz. Dance! You're straight ice magic dancers. You're, you're the straightest ice ballerinas this country's ever produced. You get those heterosexual torsos and sparkled blazers out there, and you bring the same energy to that spinning thing that you do to fucking your wives. <laughs> Any comment, Roxanne? I think you've gotten it all covered. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's spin it again. It has landed on thoughts and prayers. Uh, We're sick of thoughts and prayers after mass shootings. And... uh, I think, you know, I just want to make one final point on the shootings and the the neutered and sad and repetitive way in which we talk about it. I feel like it's part of a larger a larger feeling that we just can't do things. We can't fix our airports and our roads and we can't get people health care even though every other uh, country uh, with our wealth can do it for less money than we spend every day without giving people the care they need. And, oh, well, we can't build fast trains in America. And, oh, you know, we can't solve this immigration problem. We can't have a working immigration system, which people who have done nothing wrong will bear the cost of decades of inaction and extra legal policymaking. You know, we can't solve this gun problem. That's America. You know, we can't do anything. And I find it exhausting sometimes. I find it heartbreaking because it just... It feels like we live in this kind of unreality, like everything is so amped and everything is so tense and everything is moving so fast and then nothing happens. Nothing ever happens. And the thing that I'm just thinking about today, I will say, so I was reading yet another story about mass shootings and all the thoughts and prayers and the GOP saying the flag should be at half staff. And uh, I saw that there was a teacher in the school uh, that died while locking trying to get kids into the classroom and I didn't click on it 
Why, why would I click on it? I've seen that story before and we'll see it again. I don't click on these stories. I don't, I don't read about the kids anymore because I, I, it's heartbreaking and I've done it so many times. And then I got a message from my sister uh, that said, did you hear about Scott Beagle? And it turns out it was a childhood friend of mine who was one of the people that was killed. And I only bring it up because it reminded me of just how commonplace this has gotten. I, I, I lost touch with this person a long time ago. And, but it was just a reminder that everybody is going to start to know somebody who's been killed in this way. And it's not to, what, to the point that Roxanne ma- made. It's, um, it's not America that's not doing anything. We have to remember that there is a coordinated, well-funded enterprise designed to make us feel like we can't do anything about it. And it's not just the NRA. It's the Koch brothers and their massive network of funding for think tanks designed to confuse the debate about climate change and to, to fund state-by-state efforts to redraw the map and deregulate the economy and make it impossible for people to join unions and make it impossible for people to organize and make it impossible for people to vote. And so when I get heartbroken about it, I try to remember that it's not some fundamental fact of America that we feel like this and that we used to be able to do gigantic things. And I think even Democrats sometimes surrender to this idea that we're afraid to propose big things. We're afraid to say things like, we can stop mass shootings. This is a preventable crisis. Put us in power and we will do everything we can to stop it. Or we can give everybody health care or we can guarantee every person a job. Like we need to stop allowing these outside groups to dictate to us not just what doesn't happen, but for even our imagination as to what we can do. That's what I was thinking about today. It was a hard week of news, but um, that's it. This is a comedy show. <laughs> some parts of it are funny, Amani, and some parts are not funny. Yeah. Definitely not. Some parts are just really not funny. Roxanne, I'm a huge fan of your books. Thank you. And I'm thank really you glad much. you came. I'm glad I came too. And Solomon, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for even having me here. I'm so Guys, thankful. yeah. Maybe we'll ghost each other later, you Maybe. know? <laughs> Send me your number. I won't answer. Cool. <laughs> Consider it not done. <laughs> All right, guys, I want to thank our incredible panel. Give it up for Amani, Roxanne Gay, Solomon Giorgio. Thank you guys for coming out. Have a great night. Crooked.com slash portrait mode. live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well visit angie.com you can do this when you angie that